Chapter Eighteen of Doom Castle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carolyn. Doom Castle by Neil Munro. Chapter Eighteen. Loch Sloy. The rap that startled Doom in the midst of his masquerade in the chapel of his house came like the morning beat of drums to his guest a story lower count victor sprang up with a certainty that trouble brew dressed with all speed and yet with the coolness of one who has heard alarums on menaced frontiers took his sword in hand hesitated remembered olivia and laid it down again then descended the dark stair that seemed the very pit of hazards a perturbing silence had succeeded the noisy summons on the oak and mungo with a bold aspect well essayed but in no accord with the tremor of his knees and the pallor of his countenance stood in dragging pantaloons and the gaudy kilmarnock cap cocked upon his bald head at the stair-foot with the flambeau in his hand he seemed hugely relieved to have the company of count victor no what the devil can we hear here at such an unearthly hour and nicht said he trying a querulous tone befitting an erat sentinel but the sentence trailed off unconvincingly because his answer came too promptly in another peremptory summons from without lord keep us whispered the little man no longer studying to sustain his martial role he looked nervously at count victor standing silently by with some amusement at the perturbation of the garrison and a natural curiosity as to what so untimely a visit might portend it was apparent that mungo was for once willing to delegate his duty as keeper of the bartizan to the first substitute who offered but here was no move to help him out of his quandary it's gay gash this whispered the little man and the tide in too and the oor say late these sinister circumstances seemed to pile upon his brain until his knees bent below the weight of accumulated terror and montaigne must smile at fears not all unreasonable as he felt himself oh better late than never is not that the proverb master mungo said he though indeed it is not particularly consoling to a widow's husband i'd gay a pound scots to ken what chaps said mungo deaf to every humour might i suggest your asking it is i have heard the customary proceeding said count victor who's there cried mungo with an ear to the wood that appeared to have nothing human outside for now for a little there was absolute stillness then an answer as from a wraith the humble request of some one for admission nu no, that's michty droll said mungo his face losing its alarm and taking on a look of some astonishment hold that and he thrust the torch in the frenchman's hand with another word he drew back the bars opened the door and put out his head he was caught by the throat and plucked forth into the darkness count victor could not have drawn a weapon had he had one ere the door fell in thundering on the walls 
he got one glimpse of the sans appealed again to the Deschenier Mesa in his ancestry, and flung the flambeau at the first one who entered. The light went out, he dropped at a boy's intuition upon a knee and lowered his head. Over him in the darkness poured his assailants, too close upon each other in their eagerness, and while they struggled at the stairfoot, he drew softly back. Out in the night Mungo wailed lugubrious in the hand of some of his captors, within there was a wonderful silence for a little the baffled visitors recovering themselves with no waste of words and mounting the stair in pursuit of the gentleman they presumed to have preceded them when they were well up he went to the door and made it fast again leaving mungo to the fate his stupidity deserved doom's sleeping-chamber lay behind he passed along the corridor quickly, knocked at the door, got no answer, and entered. It was as he had fancied, his host was gone, his couch had not been occupied. A storm of passion swept through him, he felt himself that contemptible thing, a man of the world betrayed by a wickedness that ought to be transparent. They were in the plot then, master and man, perhaps even— but no that was a thought to quell on the moment of its waking she at least was innocent of all these machinations and upstairs now she shared without a doubt the alarms of annapla that familiar of shades and witches that student of the fates was a noisy poltroon when it was the material world that threatened she was shrieking again Losloy, Losloy! now rose the voices overhead surely the maddest place in the world for a gaelic slogan it came him a sense of unspeakable savagery in antique for it was two hundred years since his own family had cried camercy on stricken fields he paused a moment irresolute a veritable farce he thought it would have been so much easier for his host to hand him over without these playhouse preliminaries but olivia but olivia he felt the good impulse of love and anger the old equor of his folk surged through his veins and without a weapon he went upstairs trusting to his wits to deal best with whatever he would there encounter it seemed an hour since they had entered in truth it was but a minute or two and they were still in the bewildering blackness of the stair one behind another in its narrow coils and seemingly wisely dubious of too precipitate an advance he estimated that they numbered less than half a dozen when he came upon the rearmost of the queue losloy cried the leader somewhat too theatrically for illusion Camercy for me, thought Montaillon. He was upon the tail, and clutched to drag the last man down. Fate was kind. She gave the bare knees of the enemy to his hand, and behold, here was his instrument, in the customary knife stuck in the man's stocking. It was Count Victor's at a flash. He stood a step higher, threw his arm over the shoulder of the man, pulled him backward into the pit of the stair, and stabbed him as he fell ah said he as the wretch collapsed upon himself and the knife seemed now unnecessary he clutched the second man who could not guess the tragedy behind for the knight's business was all in front and surely only friends were in the rear he clutched the second lower and threw him backwards over his head de said count victor 
as the man fell limp behind him upon his unconscious confederate the third in front turned like a viper when count victor's clutch came on his waist and drove out with his feet the act was his own undoing it met with no resistance and the impetuous of his kick carried him off the balance and threw him on the top of his confederates below trois said montaillon pulling corks is the most excellent training for such a warfare and he set himself almost cheerfully to number four but number four was not in the neck of the bottle this ferment behind him propelled him out upon the stairhead and montaillon who had thrown himself upon him fell with him on the floor both men recovered their feet at a spring a moment's pause was noisy with the cries of the domestic in her room then the frenchman felt a hand pass rapidly over his habiliments and seek hurriedly for his throat as on a sudden inspiration what had precluded was too obvious he fancied he could feel the poignard already plunging in his ribs and he swiftly tried a fall with his opponent it was a restless grip he sought but a wrestler he found for arms of a gigantic strength went around him clasping his own to his side and rendering his knife futile a gallic malediction hissed in his ear he felt breath hot and panting his own failed miserably and his blood sang in his head with the pressure of those tremendous arms that caught him to a chest like a cuirass of steel but if his hands were bound his feet were free he placed one behind his enemy and flung his weight upon him so that they fell together this time count victor was uppermost his hands were free of a sudden he raised the knife to stab at the breast heaving under him but he heard as from another world from a world of calm and angels the voice of olivia in her room crying for her father and a revulsion seized him so that he hesitated at his ugly task it was less than a second's slackness yet it was enough for his enemy rolled free and plunged for the stair montaignon seized him as he fled the skirt of his coat dragged through his hands and left him with a button he dropped it with a cry and turned in the darkness to find himself more frightfully menaced than before this time the plunge of the dirk was actual he felt it sear his side like a hot iron and caught the wrist that held it only in time to check a second blow his fingers slipped his head swam a moment more and montaillon was dead very far from his pleasant land of france in a phantom castle upon a shadowy sea among savage ghosts father father it was olivia's voice a light was thrown upon the scene for she stood beside the combatants with a candle in her hand they drew back at a mutual spasm and montaillon saw that his antagonist was the baron of doom End of chapter eighteen